0: Well, I turn our attention this morning to Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Well, we have there this race, this race that is set before us, and the call to us to run it with endurance. But before we get to that, we can see that the writer has some concerns, that we're not going to run it as well as we might. And so the instruction is given to us there to lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. So easily ensnares us. Well, the title of the sermon then is this, Soft Targets for Sin. That you and I, and we talk about ourselves as Christians, yes, but we're still soft targets for sin. We... So soon, why so easily become ensnared? There's this race, and it's some race, isn't it? And all those people listed there, and the writer, as it were, is uh, just having to say, well, I'm just running out of space, and running out of time, I could tell you about David and Samson and Jeff, so I could, we haven't got time. There's so, so many of them, and they're all making the same case, actually, that they ran With endurance, and they had to run against a pretty difficult set of circumstances, didn't they? And he lists all the troubles and scourgings and mockings they had, why even death itself, but they wouldn't, wouldn't give up. And amazingly, the writer says, amazingly, they hadn't actually received the whole kind of promise they lived before Christ came. They believed that promise, and that's what sustained them. I'm really saying, well then, how much more we who have now worked out for us, who have the cross, who have Christ Jesus, who's come into the world. How much more we should be able to run with endurance. Of course, he's got a slight rebuke, a than slight rebuke. Therefore, the churches and the believers he's writing to, who become sluggish and who are not running with endurance. Well, this race, it's a frequently used image, isn't it? It's a prize to be won, friends, isn't it? And he holds it out to them here because, there's heaven friends we're not running to go nowhere we're not running uncertainly we're running with a destination in view You know, sometimes follow somebody in the in the car don't you, and you think, oh, they're not from around here are they there's a hesitancy about their driving and they indicate left and then they don't turn left and they they indicate right and then they turn left uh, and you know they, they don't know the way around here they're, they're strangers around here they don't know where they're going quite well we do we We do know where we're going, we know we're going to heaven, or oh, I hope we know that. I hope we know that we have a very clear destination why it sustained our Lord Jesus on the cross, sustained him <laughs> there he was, if you like, exercising faith too that that he knew beyond his sufferings the promise of his resurrection, His father promised a reward for all his work and service established there in time past. That he would be raised. And he'd be vindicated that he would actually go and sit at the right hand of the throne of God. That sustained him. That that helped him to know that. He knew it all through his life. And he knew it on the cross too. That there, despite all of the complexity of his sufferings. And how do we understand that? That at the same time he felt God forsaken. Yes. But at the same time he still had faith. Yes. He still believed. Everything that the Father had said to him, the covenant that had been made with him, and that all of this would actually have a conclusion, that he'd be raised, and that he'd ascend, that he'd be glorified. And friends, that in Christ is where we're going. And in this race, it's not as if uh, there's only kind of one winner. No, we're all winners. This is wonderful. Here it's right. All, all must have prizes. We will all gain prizes at the end. That's because I'm running or you're running doesn't mean that somebody else isn't running. There's not a room in this race, or you've got to be the only one that, that gets to that finish line and everybody else is a loser. No, There are no losers. And in fact, what we do, you don't do this in, in a race. You, you're, you're not there to encourage your other sprinters or long distance, middle distance runners, or whatever they are. You you don't turn to that high jumper and say, you really You really get that lift that you need to, you know, clear that height there. I'm going to try as well. No, you've got your own focus. Not in this race. You, You can encourage each other, urge each other, and so we should. Not be a hindrance to each other, but urge each other. And when we come to the communion table, we're actually remembering each other. We're discerning the body of Christ. We're looking and seeing that that means something to you, that Jesus means something to you as he means to me. Isn't it good that we're here together doing this? That it's not just me and him, but it's it's us and him together. And we urge each other on in that respect. That's where you have coaches, don't you, there? To look at your technique, how you run, look at how you jump or whatever else, and throw whatever it is you're throwing, and improve it. See how there's a weakness here. There's something you need to work on here. And, uh, you have to go away and you have to practice right, the piano, the violin, changing the illustration. There's a weakness in your technique there. You need to go away and practice how you hold the bow and the way you position yourself. And there's a lot, a lot to be seen in that. And sometimes, of course, there's some hard, hard graft that's needed. Well, Manchester United had a less than stellar start to the season. If you follow a bit of football there and, uh, and the manager worked out that the team that they'd lost to, that they really shouldn't have lost to, but they did. And that their players, how they worked this out, I don't know, they've got all these cameras. But the players of the other team ran, I think it was 13 kilometres more than Manchester United had run. They'd they, they just been running and uh, they have been selling more about them and there'd been that sluggishness about Manchester United. And so the manager said, well, right, Monday morning, you're going to run an extra 13 kilometers to make up for that running that you didn't do when you lost to that team who did. And so they had to improve their game. And we friends have got so, so much working for us to run our race better. We have got God for us, not against us. We've got his word, which revives us and brings us all our daily bread that we need for the soul. And we have The Holy Spirit. All in that inspires us actually to look unto Jesus. Verse two summarizes so much. There was somebody who did the commandments. There, there was somebody who trusted in God. There was somebody who had all kinds of opposition, difficulty, temptation. There he is enduring. We look unto him. But having talked this all up in that sense, And having made this, well, it's there in Scripture, isn't it? Why, it's what the writer says here that we so easily get ensnared. We have all of this—the great cloud of witnesses. That's all the people in Hebrews chapter eleven, and you could add every other name that time did not permit the writer to include in there, but which he could have included in there. Great cloud of witnesses. Same example. Same temptations. Like Elijah, men, women of like nature as we. And yet, see what God did in and through them. And yet, there we are. We're running, but well, we're not running. We're caught up, and we're ensnared. There means entangled. If you're if you're out uh, for a walk, and well, Andrew's arranging this walk for us, isn't he? There, but you take care. Don't get entangled in the brambles, or in the nettle bed, or in the barbed wire, or anything like that. Because you won't you won't get far. You, you'll be struggling. And if you're you're trying to pursue you. Your way through such uh, unpromising terrain, you're not going to run very fast. In fact, you're not going to run at all. And that's the picture that we have here. We, we're caught up. There are so many things that actually make us stop running or run in such a way. And some athletes, they? Looks, well, I guess it is hard work, but they show it. The grimace on their face. Some just seem to make such heavy weather of it. no. All the cares seem to be there, etched upon their faces. Was that what Christians are to be? Are we to run this race with a grimace? Are we to be, as it were, sort of dragging our way through a bramble patch? Are we trying to sort of fight our way through a sort of barbed wire fence? It's not going to be pretty. It's not going to look pretty. It's going to look pretty hard. And the fact is that we are at times such soft, targets so easily yes we might say too easily ensnared the same things catch us again and again the same bramble patch we end up back in it again the same difficulty there we we've ended up back in that that bog again or in that ditch don't we see it coming hadn't we hadn't we learned from previous time and we had said no we we've we missed it somewhere here and we made ourselves soft targets for sin. As though we fell for the same scam every time that, well, there we are, how many relatives you and I must have out there in certain parts of West Africa who left huge fortunes to you, just needs to click on here, give your bank account details, and I'm sure those millions will come pouring in. Not. And there we are. It must be worth their while doing these scams. There must be people out there who keep falling for it. Or enough. People who haven't spotted this one and think that there are long lost relatives you never ever heard of and they're out in some place you never ever heard of. Their dying wish was that you should benefit from their largesse. So easily defrauded, so easily conned. And it is as though we fall for it every time. We fall for it every time. Soft targets for sim. First heading, a hostile lodger. A hostile lodger. We have dwelling with us and in us, a hostile lodger. In fact, uh, somebody there who who really, really has had his marching orders, who's really been served notice, and it's still there and still has the capacity to cause trouble. Because this asks something of us, doesn't it? In fact, the whole of Hebrews, well, the whole of the Bible, but here in Hebrews, it stay there. It asks something of us, doesn't it? It's asking, well, who who are we? Where is your trust? Where is your faith? Why aren't you looking unto Jesus? Why are you looking back at sacrifices and the temple and all of the the blood offerings there, which have all been met in Christ now? Why, Why aren't you looking unto Jesus? He's the one who's the author and finisher of our faith. And we ask ourselves, well, what do I believe? Who am I? Why Why is it not happening within me, that I I keep falling for the same thing? The answer, of course, often is, before we're converted, very true. But sadly, after we're converted, still true, that we're a chaos, that we're a confused mess, that we are a mass of conflicting thoughts and feelings that we barely understand. Because the heart is deceitful, isn't it? Desperately wicked. Who can know it? Jeremiah chapter 17 and verse 9. And God's work in us, in sanctification, is to actually undo the chaos, is to bring order where there is disorder, bring discipline where there is indiscipline, to bring that beautiful harmony where previously there was chaos. That's what sin produces. It produces chaos it slows, it deceives, it wrecks our hopes, it wrecks our joys, it wrecks our whole progress. And it so easily does it. And we so easily fall for it, even as Christians with all this Bible and with Sunday services and preaching and and books that we read at home that are a help to us. And still we don't make the progress that we want to do. And it's God's will to actually make us coherent consistent and fully functioning people that our thinking and desiring and our deepest deepest hopes and our deepest seated attitudes would be brought into line with scripture that we would be rehabilitated rebuilt remodeled become what we are declared to be which is new creatures you and I if we're Christians this morning are new creations so often It looks more like the old creature that's coming through, falling for the same old sins, getting ensnared so easily. But it is that we have still dwelling in us a hostile lodger, a sinful nature. It wasn't destroyed when you and I were converted. It remains, and it can remain there. And sadly, I have to report, will remain there until the day we die and go to glory. Then we are perfected. But until then... It remains. Oh, the difficulties that this hostile lodger who's got rooms, he's not entitled to, he's not entitled to them there, really. He, he's had notice served on him that he, he's defeated and guilt been declared and punished in Christ and his power also been defanged. He's not got the, the same power, except we live as if that lodger did and still could boss us around and still could interfere with our joy always leaving a mess around the place slamming doors creating an atmosphere whatever rent owed and doesn't pay it leaves all the doors unlocked and we can feel a little bit of a mystery to ourselves how come well paul in romans chapter 7 and god does intend doesn't he for us to to be encouraged and comforted as we try to understand who we are well this is Paul and I believe this to be reporting actually what is the experience of a Christian Romans 7 just reading from verse 15 says what I'm doing I do not understand what I will to do that I do not practice but what I hate that I do if then I do what I will not to do I agree with the law that it is good but now It is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells. For to will is present with me, but how to perform what is good I do not find. He's going on to say some very positive things and going on to talk about the help of the Holy Spirit in due course. But he's speaking there, isn't he, of that, that battle that's going on. And that hostile lodger, sin, who can still have a say in our day-to-day running, who still interferes with our progress, who still has got the ability to well and truly entangle us and ensnare us, who seems to urge us on. And Paul talks about sin in that way as this, this alien intruder. Not me. There's an alien intruder. I actually, as a Christian, love the law. And I want to obey God. Just drag back. There's that horrible, invasive effect of sin still dwelling in me. He says, because I know sin, that's in my flesh. There's no good thing there. Paul worked that one out there in his conversion, dismissed it. But it still lives on, and it still has the capacity there to spoil and ruin our progress, to work against our our better will, work against our better spiritual judgment, and pull us back. And of course, you must add to this. You might say it, isn't it? There, the devil is in the detail. That he knows, he knows how to work with our sinful nature. He knows how to get that hostile lodger inside to really, really push all the right buttons, make us angry, make us lose it, to make us be discouraged and oppressed and despairing, to make us lose hope, to say foolish and empty things, to. Be not who we want to be and to speak offhand to people, to be offhand with people, to lose what we know is the right testimony, good testimony, and we bring our testimony low. So Paul remarks about that. Second heading, this is sadly true. We can welcome it. We can, we can actually get too used to that hostile lodger and begin to come to terms with it in a way that is just plain wrong. There we are. Who is the person in charge here? There's the question, isn't it? Who is the responsible adult, responsible person? It's you and I as Christians. And we are responsible for how much space we give this hostile lodger. And what we allow and what we disallow, we are held to account for it. And as in Hebrews, we're told there to cast it off, lay it aside that it's over to us, that we there are under God's command, sort it out. I've got all my help to give you, but you have got to act. You can't just wait for something to happen. You've got to act. You've got to make a decision on this. You've got to see this for what it is and say in this, that's enough, no more, no longer going to be bossed around, no longer going to my testimony, brought loan. Often we talk the way about besetting sins. Same, same again. Same loss of temper there. The same despair that came in there. The same carelessness, foolishness, empty thinking that came in there and again and again and again. And we can welcome it. <laughs> the person responsible can be well off guard, just as our Lord warned, didn't he, there about those who are keeping house. That their master is tarrying, it's taking long. And they begin to get careless and they stop watching and the house begins to go to rack and ruin and uh, they're partying and carousing and so suddenly he's there. And it's midnight hour and the, just as the thief coming in the night and we were caught out. Person in charge, who is in charge here? Why are we allowing this to happen in your house? Why, why did you give this lodger house space? Why do you listen to him again? Not realize that behind him lay the devil and we can be caught out and deeply, deeply embarrassed. Think about it, friends. One day we stand before God, don't we? And we are under scrutiny and think the Christians judgment. Well, that's, there's nothing there. Well, there's a lot there and we are, we are being watched. We are being looked upon. What are we doing with the truth that we have, the great cloud of witnesses that we have? What are we doing with that Jesus that we're supposed to be looking unto? Are we instead humoring all the wrong things, giving place and space to those things? It's terrible to admit, but sin can be very pleasurable for the moment. It has its season of pleasure. And people can welcome, can't they, there, and there's enough images and nasty things out there pictures and advertisements, programs, content, social media, you name it. There's enough sin, easily accessible out there, ready at the click of a mouse. Some people fall for it, and I'm afraid Christians fall for that. It and it consumes, and it destroys, and gone is our peace. Gone is our sense of right standing before God, because somewhere within our conscience has been, unfortunately, locked into a room and kept there, banging and shouting, no, remember who you are. And yet we've gone off guard and entertained the pleasures of sin. And then it's sin when we actually justify them to ourselves. Oh, we're masters at doing that. There's pride. won't admit wrongdoing. won't humble itself before God, acknowledge a need of repentance, but justifies it, doubles down on it. It goes even deeper in it so instead of simply confessing the sin, there's a further lie told. We're lying to ourselves, we're lying to other people, perhaps, and lying to God. And that is just making it worse and worse. And if our conscience becomes so, so shut in, and we've soundproofed the room the way we've locked the conscience away, then we're in a desperate, desperate state then. We can then be so, so hardened as to indeed completely Christian terms be off the radar. And we can make trade-offs. Sometimes we think, well, I'll allow myself that little sin there and I'll try and compensate by some hours of prayer or, or extra Bible reading or some, some sort of spiritual devotion to kind of, kind of trade off there. Doesn't, doesn't work like that. Or else sometimes we just welcome these things, allow this hostile lodger to have his, her say to run amok just by being careless. Just by being so so negligent, just allowing it, just not thinking seriously about spiritual things, about the calling we have. And we lack then, by sort of default and by a gradual process, we end up losing spiritual power. We we end up lacking conviction, confidence in God's word. Tragic. Third heading: lay it aside. Take action. Lay it aside. The writers of the Hebrews is, is it forever trying to urge upon us action. Take action. Believe. Trust. Put away these false ideas, these wrong ideas. They're destroying you. And instead get back to where you need to be, which is to have your eyes upon the Lord Jesus. Lay it aside. Put it off. There is that hostile lodger, that difficult tenant there who really has no contract, has no place, was defeated at Calvary and shouldn't be there. That's because of our own sad failings and our own infirmities still there. Well, serve notice. Turn around with the backing of heaven, with all the Bible on your side, all the help of the Holy Spirit on your side, on my side. And serve notice. So time is done. We've lived long enough with this. We've put up with this, accommodated it, even welcomed it to our shame. Time that this ended. We lay it aside Weights there, the things that in one sense they're heavy upon us. And these sins that too easily ensnare us, same old, same old, so easily catch us out again. And we fall for them. We listen to the wrong things. And believe the wrong things, or well, throw it away as being so much rubbish. Throw it away as something worthless, as something destructive, something evil. And there you will find all of heaven's help. As you look unto Jesus and you see there's something far better than living still, accommodated with sin, making truces and parleys with this hostile lodger, my sinful nature giving help and even encouraging. I'm shutting my conscience down. There's something so much better. It's all that found in our Lord Jesus Christ, isn't it? It's final victory in him. Yes, one day, the tend to the body, we can put it aside. One day, that battle is finished. One day, sin, our worst enemy, as Watts puts it in his hymn. But now, gone. He was before. Sin, now, defeated. But not yet. And we have to learn all the more to exercise discipline. Running races needs discipline. Fighting fights needs discipline. And that discipline has to be exercised on ourselves, on on our sinful natures, on our infirmities, on our weaknesses, on those things that ever and again ensnare us and then catch us up and slow us down. And we're robbed of peace and we're robbed of joy and a testimony has suddenly gone all wrong shaped. And we have to exercise that discipline. These people in Hebrews 11, it, it didn't just happen. They had to be decisive. They had to get out into the battle and find the strength when they're in the battle. They had to, as it were, engage. And then they found all the help of heaven was with them. Will I? Will you? Will you be disciplined to lay it aside? to? to speak as it were. Dr. Lloyd-Jones was often on this, speak strongly to yourself. Speak to yourself strongly. Say, enough. What are you doing humoring that? There's a great race to be won. There's a prize ahead of us. There's Jesus encouraging us. And he's sat at the right hand of God by his throne. Well, there's plenty of help from there. You've got the king on your side. You have his son there who is affording by the grace of the Holy Spirit every encouragement and every help that you could wish for. Here is where murder is legitimate, killing sin. We are allowed that, friends. No break of the sixth commandment there. You can murder sin. You can put it to death. You can lay that aside. And with God's help, it can be done. You're looking unto him, not as though, it only comes good at the second coming. You're looking unto him now that can help you now. So Paul having reviewed himself and taken something of us to a hypothetical line, let's let's just look at ourselves here. Let, let's kind of just narrow in on who we are with the law. Can we do it? No. We find still our sinful nature is working there. And so he Finishes, doesn't he, these thoughts in Romans 7, verse 24, a wretched man that I am. he Really, really speaks it up here, doesn't he? A wretched man that I am. I'm not happy with this. I'm not made an accommodation with this sin. I'm not saying, well, okay, you have this bit of my life and I'll have this bit for God. You know, he says, what wretched man that I am. And here's his question. He knows the answer to the question before he asks it. Who will deliver me from this body of death? And in that he can speak there for every Christian in that way. Every true Christian would come with the same answer. I thank God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So then with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. And he moves on. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. There's the help. You look unto Jesus, or the Holy Spirit, very, very pleased. If we're looking unto the Lord Jesus, that's his work, isn't it? To glorify him and to bring to us his things and to make them real and active within us. But we've got to do that looking and we've got to do that desiring and that willing. And that requires that discipline. There's power that he can give to restrain, to remove, to strong-arm us at times into doing the right thing. Better that we don't do it with his rebuke because there are consequences. We humor things. There there are consequences. There's loss. We're we're losing spiritual energy. We're losing assurance. We're missing moments where we could experience greater joy. Ah, But his power is there to help us. Look at his wisdom. Look at his wisdom. Ah, made unto us wisdom, isn't he? For there, his help is given to us in understanding that we can actually outsmart the lodger. We can think better thoughts and work out how to, how to get the better here and how to rest the initiative here, how to, to work with God with us and prayerfully before him to access his wisdom and to see, ah, to spot those moments. This is where I get entangled. These are the moments I'm tired. That's a bit unwell. This has gone wrong. That's not worked out. This is the moment when I could get ensnared and entangled. And you're learning there's wisdom because he's made unto us wisdom. Provides that help, that understanding, that discernment of our own souls. See it coming. So you can take stock. Oh, that's a scam. I remember this. I fell for it before. I'm not falling for it again. Various people that, uh, I'm aware of, and a friend, there, have great difficulty in this particular situation. I won't elaborate too strongly about it, but well, well, there's somebody who's who's misbehaving in the wider church, not anybody I think known to any of us here. It's misbehaving, and it's been decoded. you've decoded what he's doing, his behaviour Ah, now we see it now we see through it, and we're able to take stock and make wise decisions in the light of it. And God makes us wise about ourselves, (laughs) makes us a bit more of an open book to ourselves. Ah, these are the moments, beware, I fall at this point. Well, now I know, and I know I've got heaven's help and that the Lord's with me. I can say thanks be to God through our Lord Jesus Christ, that I'm not having to just face this on my own, but I face it with him. And he has wisdom to impart, and he has mercy too, doesn't he? So when when we are all oh, so easily ensnared, once again we've listened too much to that hostile lodger and he's run amok and left a mess and our testimony has been brought low and weakened. But there's, there's mercy, isn't there? There's mercy in our Lord Jesus Christ, the author and finisher of our faith. He, he is at work in us, friends. And it can be very uncomfortable and very humbling and at times hugely embarrassing. But he is at work and he comes to us with mercy, comes with mercy. He could treat us far more strongly than he does. His disciplines could be far more painful than they are. But his disciplines come from a heart of great, great love and desire for us. That he wants us actually to run better and he wants us not to be ensnared again. And so when we do encounter those difficulties, he doesn't meet us at arms folded. Well, that's it. I warned you before. I'm done with you. He could do, but he doesn't do because he's full of mercy. And how do we know that? Because we look at the cross and we see that that is mercy. And that mercy is not for one day, one experience. You have one kind of down payment of it. No more. You and I benefit from it all the time. And there's a fresh start. And we can come out of the bramble patch there. We might have a few kind of torn garments and a few scratches and that, but, but they heal and we move on. So all of us in our confusion and dullness, where well, we never listened to his word before, and now we're ready. And he doesn't say to us, well, you didn't listen, so I'm not talking to you now. But he says, no, you're teachable now. I've got your ear, and we're going to work together on this. And you're going to find my care and how intricate and careful I am restoring and rebuilding and helping you to run better that you don't fall for that again. And as we look unto him, well, was he not so humble and so meek? Was he not himself so, so tender hearted, so much a peacemaker? Islam would say, well, he was a loser. Oh, where was the great sort of? Military captain, where is this great victor? There he is, (laughs) being humble and being ready to base himself and being willing to be obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. And we look at him and we say of him, do you know this? He is the freest man that ever was. He was the most liberated person that there ever was. No sinful nature. And he loved God and loved his fellow man and demonstrated there, because he had human nature, what it means to live out a life of devotion to God. He lived it. He was it. And so much of it there was built around humility. He humbled himself. And friends, we have to at times humble ourselves, don't we? We're not running as well as we should. We keep getting in snares, those weights keep Bringing us down, same sins, same besetting sins, and we must humble ourselves, and own it in confession before God, and then wait and wait. What powerful prayers those are! Where they reach to the throne of God, when offered up in that spirit of meekness and supplication, of poverty and of need. Those have the ear of heaven. What has the ear of heaven receives all the help of heaven. And so may God help us not to be soft targets for sin, not to fall for it again, not to be unbelieving, not to be angry, not to be full of pessimism, cynicism, doubt, whatever it may be. But let's look unto him that he can provide resources for us in this race all the challenges that we meet, fresh challenges, ones we never saw coming challenges, they're out there. But he'll be there with us in them and urges us forward, gives us every advantage, every encouragement, every help. We have it all in him, spirit, the word of God, our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father's help. We have it all, dear friends. And so let's resolve that we're not going to be soft targets for sin, we're going to be those disciplined people that we're going to say enough and look to God to fulfill his helps and his promises to each of us. And may God be with us in that wonderful race that each of us will arrive running strongly at that finish line or limping over it, strong in faith, even on our deathbed, confessing his name and looking forward to all that heaven has for us.